Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Welcome back. It's good to see everybody in the house. Look, man, let's be real. This year has been trying for everybody in some way. Even if you said, look, I don't fear, fear the virus, it's taxed you in some way. It's taxed me. We had to close down services. It's, it's affected things. It's affected gatherings and conferences and different things. And I'm going to tell you what right now. Remember, remember, Philippians chapter 1, right? Philippians chapter 1, he says, the God who began a good work in you, he's going to finish it. He's going to finish it. It's, it's frustrating sometimes, I know. And I've been well-versed in my faults this year. I have. And there were areas, and I'm telling you, at the beginning of this year, I thought, man, you know how we are. You get, you get better. Don't, say, don't, don't think good for a minute, but you get better in an area, and you think, I, I've got this. I remember in January, I was thinking, man, God has worked on me for some years, man. I'm so patient in some areas. I didn't be, used to be this way. I'm so excited. I feel like the one guy, I think he told Noe or one of us, he said, man, I'm so proud of myself because I'm humble. Right? I said, well, I think that canceled. I think you just canceled it out. But at the beginning of this year, I said, man, I've gotten so patient in some of these areas. And wow, I needed some help in so many. But God's working on it. And I know that the God who began a good work in you, he's going to finish it. Okay? He's going to finish it. So hang in there. Hang in there. Hang in there. For those of, those of you checking us out on the live stream today, I just want to make this announcement. I've been wanting to do this for the past week. Look, if you want to wear a mask and come to church, wear it. I'm not going to tell you anything. Wear it. Wear the mask. Okay? We can, we can throw science at each other, and it's all become political science. Okay? So wear the mask. I said this to someone this morning. I said, hey, if someone is missing church because they're embarrassed to wear a mask or they think I'm going to say something to them, me and Dad aren't going to say anything to you, okay? Come to, the, come to Kingsgate Church. If you've got to wear a hazmat suit to come to church, wear it. Wear it. I want you here. I miss you. I love you. I don't even know who I'm talking to. I, I, no, real, I walked into Thriftway a couple months ago, and a guy, I guess, I guess he forgot his mask. You know what he walked in the store with? He had his motorcycle helmet on. And he walked by, and I went, oh, that's creative. I mean, it's okay. I didn't know what to say. And he wasn't a big guy. He's a little smaller than me, so he had a big old black helmet on. He looked like a Lego character. <laughs> he walked past me. I went, dang, okay, cool. I was like, okay. He, he was, he, they said to wear a mask. He walked in with his, his motorcycle helmet on. So that's cool. Do what you got to do. Hey, and here's the deal. I know this has been a taxing time. It's messed with us. It's, I mean, you're at the point now where you're going, they're trying to outlaw Thanksgiving. I ain't going to do it, right? They're telling people don't have more than five people at Thanksgiving and all these exceptions, and it stressed people out. Here's what I say, because it's not the law. You need to look into that. It's not the law. It's emergency orders that have been stretched out now going on nine months which if you look at that, that's illegal. I don't care what this state constitution says. That violates the United States Constitution. So here's my deal. You want to meet for Thanksgiving? You do it. You heard it right here. But you knew that already, huh? Some of you outlaws and some of you Wild West people, you do what you got to do. You need to keep others safe. You do that. Keep yourself safe. But, hey, meet and have Thanksgiving, okay? Don't do, don't do Thanksgiving on Zoom. 
So I can, I can see people relegated to, man, I can't do Thanksgiving with my family, so I'm going to get these candy corns. They're Thanksgiving flavored. Don't do it. Go eat some turkey with the family. Go do it. Go be with people, man. Go do it. You need people. That's why we have in-person services. I love it that we have live stream. This forced us to go live. Praise God. But if you, look, if you want to be on live stream, it, that's exciting. We're glad to have you with us. But if you want to be in person, come. Come next week. Wear a mask. Wear a hazmat suit. Um, I tell you, the motorcycle helmet might be distracting. You may have to sit way over there because I may, I may be distracted. But do what you got to do. Come to church if you want to. We're here and we'll be here. All right? Next Sunday, we'll be here, um, not Wednesday. Pastor John's going to announce this at the end of the service. There'll be no service Wednesday night because it's the night before Thanksgiving. All right, that's one of our traditions here. So get ready with the family, play dominoes, do the things you do, play Monopoly. Elaine thinks she's the Monopoly champ, but I don't know. I think Jen may be the Monopoly champ. I don't know, but Elaine's pretty ruthless. You don't want to play Monopoly with her. Just a heads up. She'll sell you down the river. And she'll kiss you afterward and go, I love you, but Monopoly is Monopoly. I don't know. But <laughs> there's some hardcore competition at the house. I think I'm going to win dominoes this year. So we'll see. We'll see. But hang in there. Everybody, it's going to be okay. It's, it's going to be all right, huh? Here you are on a Sunday morning, whether in person or Facebook Live. You're here. You made it. I've said this for years. Look at the obstacles you walked around, you swam through, you climbed over, you kicked through, you dug. Many of you said, I can't climb that. I'm going to dig and go underneath it. You made it. Here you are. Praise God. Hang in there. Keep sharing your faith. Keep being a light. It's going to be all right. Okay? So quick question. If you had a choice for Thanksgiving, don't raise your hands yet. I'm going to do, I like surveys, so we'll do one at a time. But think about it. Would you have turkey or ham or neither those are the options for thanksgiving turkey ham or neither now who would say i want turkey for thanksgiving raise your hand okay traditionalists okay god bless y'all all right who says I, w I would rather have ham for thanksgiving really instead of instead of the turkey okay how many of you are like i'd rather have a burrito for thanksgiving Barry, I knew it. Barry is the king of burritos. If you go to Taco Villa, you can see that they have Barry's name written on the cornerstone. He helped them build it. Maybe his brother, too. So let's get into the inner workout today. The inner workout, we're continuing. We've been going on. This is, I believe, the fourth week. Um, next week will be the fifth week of this. This is very important. The inner workout these points, it's amazing how it ties into actually working out physically, but it ties into you working out your soul. Somebody say, my soul. Your body and your soul are your responsibility. And you, I've had arguments over the years. I've heard arguments. They say, you can't be the captain of your soul. That's God. I know what you mean, but if you really look at it, God saved your spirit, man, and you, you are supposed to have self-control. You are supposed to be the captain of your soul. I believe it was, maybe help me out, was it Nelson Mandela that he used that poem when he was in prison, and he said, I am the captain of my soul. He chose to forgive. He chose to do a lot of great things. What a great man. But I'm going to tell you right now, according to Scripture, Scripture says, Scripture says that whoever cannot rule their own soul or rule themselves, they're like a city without walls. 
So we, we have to take responsibility for what God has given us. Hey, we're going to make mistakes. We're gonna be, there's going to be some struggling, and it's going to be tough here and there. But here's my first point today, and I've taken responsibility and ownership of this. This is what I've learned. It's my decision. It is. It's my decision. Now, I know this about my decisions. They affect other people. I know my decisions can bless you. Help you, excite you, man, make you encouraged, make you ready to go, or my decisions can discourage you. I've got to make my decisions. I've got to make decisions. And there's things, like I've told you about before, we've got to own. I've made decisions before, and I knew they, oh, man, I knew it. For example, we were putting up, you guys have heard stories of the notorious fence in our backyard over the months, the COVID fence. Money came in from the government and said, oh, praise God, they shouldn't be giving out money. Man, that's crazy, giving out money. Come on, man, I'm all, baby, you finally want that fence? <laughs> this is dumb, man. Let me transfer that. Let's go ahead and get, get the fence done. So we got it done. Well, in the midst of the fence, the guy was a crook. He was a crook. And uh, <laughs> sorry, Dad, I recommended him to you. He was a crook with Dad, too. But anyway, sorry. He was still in the middle of the job. I didn't know he was a crook yet. We, Dad and I found out together. We kept it in the family. We all found out. But he did the fence, and it was the fence itself was pretty darn good. Then he crossed over, and he did the little fence angle around the trash can, you know. And it's, man, it's more crooked than a dog's hind leg. I mean, it's more crooked than some people I've dealt with. Did you know that some people are so crooked that when they die, they're going to have to be screwed down into the grave like a screw? It's crooked, man. I was looking at it yesterday again. I was going, no, it's just because I hold my head wrong. If I do this, it's straight. I'm like, dang. So the fence itself, the bulk of the fence, the wall of China back there, it's pretty straight. But you cross the gate, and it, around the trash cans, it's like one's doing this, and, one, and he was telling me why, and he's like, no, it's not. And Oh, man, what? And it, one's doing that. But it's there, and it's sturdy. Praise God. Well, the final day of the event, it took a couple weeks, they're doing the gate. He's going to throw the gate in. Well, he brought a friend who explained to me, man, and said, it's impossible to make this gate straight. I said, what do you mean? He said, yeah, there's different materials used. They thought I was dumb. Thought because I'm a pastor, I'd, you know, I'd never seen a straight gate before. And he said, you know, this metal, when, you, when I use metal and wood, it's impossible to make the gate straight. I said, what? No, I don't think so. Well, that was a waste of money, the gate, right? So I had to pay someone else $300 to get that gate fixed. I'm going somewhere with this. And I knew it, and it hurt me, and I was upset. Did I lose sleep over it? No, but it bummed me out. And I, I was talking to my wife about it for days. I'm like, ah, that extra $300, man, I could have I gotten hair implants. I'm kidding. I'm seeing if you're awake. I'm kidding. No hair implants. Joe Biden got them years ago, and they fell back out again. So that's a mess. Don't do it. Don't do it again. But I said, baby, man, this gate, that's my responsibility, man. I wanted to beat someone up. I was frustrated. They couldn't, they just, they, the fence was there and no gate, man. Messed up gate. It didn't close. They told me, you know, it has a trick. You ever gotten a job done and they told you it's because it has a trick? Let me tell you on Spanish, it'll be more familiar. Es que, es que tiene un truco. Like one man of God said, I don't want a trick. No, the gate's fine. You just got to. When you open it, you got to lift it, move to your right, put your knee in it, and then go down on it, and it's fine. 
And then the guy said, no, but you got to twist this every time, and it's going to tweak it. And he had some kind of string there. Just a bad deal. And I told my wife, I took ownership because that, that thing was my decision in dealing with them about that gate, and I messed up, and I owned it. Finally, though, my wife had to say, okay, enough. Let's not talk about it. Fix it for me. Let's just have a gate. And I owned that, and I said, okay, and I was mad at myself a little bit, but I got over it. It was my decision, and I had to choose. Did you know we have to choose for better or for worse sometimes? For better or for worse. I'm not talking about your husband or your wife right now. Stay with me. Say, man, it was for better. For, man, I don't know. Hey, hang in there. They are God's will. They are God's will for you now. You're married. They are God's will for you. Let's go to Joshua 24:15. This is good. Joshua 24, 15. Look at this. And we've read these verses before. Joshua's speaking to the people of Israel. He says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. I'm not even going to get into the rest of the verse. He's basically saying, are you going to choose the other gods we found over here? Or are you going to choose God? Choose today. Someone say, choose today. Choices are important. Did you know many people make choices and they never own them. They still find a way to go, no, well, well, it's this. How about this one? Look at this good verse. Deuteronomy 30, 19. This is powerful. Once again, look, look, at, look at the great prophet Moses. Today I've given you the choice between life and death. Choice. Y'all remember when we used to have buffets here in the United States? Remember buffets? You had a choice, huh? Some of you didn't know how to handle that choice. I remember one time I was with, I was with my friend, and at the time I was, it was before I got married, and I was breaking out a lot. And we were till, still trying to figure that out. And I'll never forget, my, my buddy and I showed up at a buffet. Anybody ever been to a buffet in Las Vegas? It's crazy. I, I, I'm not a gambler. I've never gambled that way. That's not, I don't recommend that. But it was 2005. We were going through Las Vegas on our way to California. We stayed a couple nights with some, some godly friends there, went to church with them, different stuff. But we went to, I don't know what that place was, but we walked in, and, and the buffet, I'd never seen anything like that. And I went, oh, my God. And I, my friend knew I was breaking out, and my friend looked at me and goes, hey, Holmes, you better get your pimple cream on. <laughs> he said, because we're about to eat. I said, okay, here we go. Because it, it was just going to happen. It, that thing looked like it was 150 yards long. There were choices. There were decisions to be made. How many of you know we make decisions constantly? There have been folks that have said we make three or 400 decisions a day. Some say up to 10,000 decisions a day. Conscious and subconscious decisions. This morning, let me give you an example. I opened my eyes. It was kind of getting sunny. I was laying in the bed next to Jen, and I said, okay, it's time to see what time it is and get up, or get up and see what time it is. I don't, I don't know which I did first, but I chose to get up. And I, I let the dogs out. I did different things. I fed one of the dogs. I let them go outside. I sat with them. I made decisions. I put on a robe on the way outside so I wouldn't be cold. I made one decision after another. And you need to understand in your walk with God that your soul realm, your soul and your body realm, those are your decisions. That's why we talked about boundaries this year. 
I think I got a great revelation about boundaries this year. I was talking to my brother about this. We got some revelation out of boundaries this year. There were there's some things that I go, others can decide, and I, but then there's some things that I go, no, this is my decision, and this was this is where it's at. This is where it's at. So it's my decision. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, the great man of God said, between blessings and curses. He says, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Say, no, God chose to curse me. No, we make choices. They either fall into his covenant, fall outside of his covenant. God did not choose that. We make choices. Look what he says. Oh, what? Oh, that you would choose life. So that you and your descendants might live. Oh man, here's the choices. I hope you choose life. For Thanksgiving, you can choose to have one piece of chocolate cake or four. You can choose. You have one serving or seconds. And I know you look at us, you say, you say, look at those guys. Ephraim's a little bit bigger guy than us. But, but you look at me, John, and Dad, you say, oh, man, those guys aren't very big. They can't eat. Oh, you should see how we eat on Sundays. It's crazy. And if Dad gets up there first, oh, it's crazy. These, these are not big guys, but, man, they can eat. We eat. Ephraim does. Ephraim's about six foot, so you say, oh, no, he should eat a lot, too. I don't know. But, man, together, we, we got to watch out, make sure there's food for the ladies because we eat. And we make a decision. And there's times I have to make a decision and go, man, I need to stop because everybody else needs to eat, right? There's got to be enough. So you are, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I do believe you are the captain of your soul. Not your spirit. You accepted Jesus. So your spirit man is saved. Your spirit woman is saved. The inner you is saved. But now you get to be the captain of your soul and say, what am I going to do? Am I going to decide this? Am I going to do that? How am I going to respond to that? Will I forgive? Will I be angry? Will I uh, say this? Will I not say it? Will I make this decision? Will I not? You could be making up to 10,000 decisions a day. You could be. Now it's debatable. Who's counting, right? You've lost count this morning. I may have made 1,000 decisions already. I got to the church. I decided I'm going to grab my backpack and get out of the vehicle. I'm holding on to my phone. I was talking to my wife. I walked in. I said, hey, the decorations are up. My wife said, hallelujah. I said, oh, man, I just read that on the sign there. It says, hallelujah, on the sign there. Oh, wow. I made a decision to talk. I made a decision to plug in the Christmas tree. I made a decision. Are you getting my point? You make decisions constantly. Some decisions have more weight than others. This is where people go, all sin is the same. Sin is sin to God. Well, I, I want to debate that point just for a moment. Did you know different sin has different consequences? Did you know committing adultery is way different than telling a little lie to someone? Right? Did you know killing someone carries a way different penalty than coveting does, huh? Coveting, most people will never know we did that. Say, man, that's a nice car. I wish I had his car. That's coveting. Man, that's a, I wish I could have his house. That's coveting. Many people will never know that. They'll know if you kill somebody. Okay? So, in making your decisions, notice that different decisions carry different amounts of weight. Let's read that whole verse again. This is important because you're talking about spiritual things here, but this covers everything, really. He says, today I've given you the choice between life and death. All of your decisions will precipitate and come from this decision here to choose life or death. 
I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now, oh, wow, he says, number one, I give you the choice, life, death, blessings, curses. He says, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Here's, here's your choices, life or death, blessing, curses. Now I call on heaven to witness it. And then he says, oh, my goodness, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Think about that. That's number one. It's my decision. And you can own it or not. Now let's get into let's get into point two today. You know, this became a revelation to me years ago. Nobody can do it for me. Man, if I could, I'd have everybody in this house working out for me and I'd be reaping the benefits. If there was a way, Gino, that I could have you do a thousand push-ups for me every other day, he's going, what? But I got more built and strong, I'd do it. Mm -mm, but nobody can do it for me. Let's go to Hebrews 9.27. Look at this now. Look at this. This is a very, this verse has some finality to it. It says, and just as each person is destined to die once, some people say, oh, no, they died and they, they rose again. Well, they weren't dead yet, were they? They weren't completely crossed over and done. Just as each person is destined to die once, at some point, if Jesus doesn't return, we're all going to die. And I believe everybody in here at the sound of my voice is going to heaven. But here's the point. Just as each person is destined to die once, look at this. One simple phrase, and after that comes judgment. You say, that's only for the world. No, did you know that believers are going to be judged on their decisions as well? Not condemned. We've used that word as a dirty word, man. Don't judge me, man. No, we have, to we have to judge ourselves many times so that we're not judged. And also, Scripture says, Scripture says, the Apostle Paul at one point, he says, you should make judgments within the church. A judgment meaning a decision based on true facts. A, ju a judgment meaning justice. There has to be justice for wrong decisions. Right? Many people say, no, you don't judge me, don't judge Yeah, but if someone we love was killed, we want the judge to come down very judgmentally very strong. You want them to make a righteous judgment. In the same way, God makes judgments, but he's given us the power. Jesus said, in the King James, he says, judge or make righteous judgments. In the New Living, it says, Jesus says, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Okay? So there are things we don't have all the facts on, sure. But there are things we do have the facts on. You say, no, that's not true, or no. That's not right, or I'm not doing that. Nope, I'm not doing that. Mm -mm. Just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, I need to tell you something, and I need to remind you of this. There are judgments even headed up to the final judgment. All right? A judgment is a decision. A righteous judgment is based on righteousness, and it's based on truth. Scripture says that God's throne, the foundation of his throne, is righteousness and justice. Seeing people right, get that tattoo, man, and misspell it. Yeah, we, we saw that one, man. I don't know who sent that one. It said, only God can juge me. I saw juge, J-U-G-E. How unfortunate. I know what you mean, brother, but whatever that means, No. And I thought, that's not Spanish either, because then, then it would be juge, and that's not a word either. Only God can juge me. Like, how unfortunate. 
I heard a guy, I heard of a guy get a tattoo and he misspelled his wife's name. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she's like, who is that? And now it's permanent, champ. We have to cut that part of your arm off. No, here's the deal is God will judge all of us. Believers and non-believers alike, he will judge us according to our works. Believers, he will say, here's what I gave you. What did you do with it? Non-believers, he'll say, you rejected Jesus. You rejected the sacrifice. But here's my point. Nobody can do it for me, huh? Mom used to tell me, she said, you can't get to heaven because of my, uh, your dad's righteousness or my, my righteousness. You can't get to heaven because of our decisions. And you know what? Let me just say this. I am tired of a whole generation, maybe two or three generations. You, you'll forgive me later, later but I'm going to preach today. Few generations of men who are lazy and spoiled and they make lies and excuses and they can't handle anything and they blame their parents. They're over 18 and they blame their parents and they're over 18 and they're still talking about other crazy stuff and it's time now for us as men. I'm talking to men now. I'm talking to men. Nobody can do it for me. And there's times I get mad and I wish somebody could. There's times I wish Matt, I, I get mad and I go, wait, that's not my, wait, wait. Uh, nope, it's me. That was my decision. Nobody can do it for me. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And men, if you can't help make the bed sometimes, come on, man. Come on. It shocks women. They marry a guy in his underwear on the doorknob, on the ha- doorknob and over the door and stuff like that. Come on, man. At some point, you got to realize as men, hey, this is for women too, but I'm talking to men right now. No, And those on the live stream hear me well. He said, man, Pastor Matt's tough. Not really. I told you you could come wearing a hazmat suit. I'm fair. I'm fair and just. At some point, as men, we say nobody can do it for me. And I've heard men, I remember I used to get in a vehicle with a dude, and every time I talked to him, he's like, my wife did this, my wife, my wife. I'm like, what about you? Your wife? If you're a real man of God and you're the, you're the head of the home according to Scripture, the final decision, then your wife is a reflection of you. So, as men, we say, and you know how it is culturally. Say, man, I got to work. I got to do this. And I don't. That's great. But let's take the lead spiritually at home. Nobody can do it for me. Nobody can do it for my wife or, or you know, your kids. You got kids. Nobody can do it for your kids. You got to make righteous decisions But at some point, the kids got to decide too. And we all decide to forgive. We all decide to stop making excuses. We all decide, man, I'm going to make my bed. Was that an admiral who did a speech? Who was that? He said, it all starts with making your bed. That's crazy. I'm tired of excuses. I'm tired of excuses. I'm so tired of excuses. I will be the first to tell you my mistakes, my weaknesses. I've got them. I'm a flawed person. But I know this. At the age of seven or eight in California, one of my dad's meetings, I accepted Jesus, and I've been saved since, and I've made some rotten decisions. But I do know that ultimately I'm accountable for my decisions. I am. Nobody can do it for me. After it's all said and done, God's judgment is individualized. Is everybody with me? But here's the good news. If you've accepted Jesus, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and your mistakes are under the blood. You just got to stay humble, huh? I'm good at apologizing because I'm good at making mistakes. 
I'm good at honestly going, no, I could have done that better. I'm sorry. I could have done that better. I'm good at telling the Lord, ah, if my motives were wrong, please forgive me. Help me with that, Lord. So are you still with me? Number one today, it's my decision. Number two, nobody can do it for me. But I have good news for you. You taking control of your soul and your body with God's help? Number three, it's part of God's plan for me. It is. It is God's plan for me to be able to be the captain of my soul and to say, Lord, help me, but I'm going to control myself. Why would, why would God have included that in Scripture about self-control if we didn't need it? Did you know prison is full of people that cannot control themselves? And if you don't decide properly, after a while, do you know what happens? Someone decides for you. It's your decision up to a point, and you say, oh, okay, now you've taken it, you've taken it too far. You, you didn't decide. You had all these chances now. I'm telling you, and people are taught wrong. I've been in the hood. I've been in the hood before. Helping John, man, passing out stuff or inviting people to church. I've been in the hood and seen police officers drive through the hood and guys are, you know, raising their hand, telling the cops they're number one. Y'all get it? And I'm going, who would, who would ever do that? They don't even know that cop that drove by. They were taught wrong and they're mad at authority. Maybe dad left. They're mad at authority. All started at home. But it's God's plan for you to get that healed with his help. It's God's plan for you. You can't make excuses forever. I bumped into people, man, and they're talking about stuff from 30 years ago, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, it's time to forgive, man. It's time to get over it, man. Somebody say, I'm going to get over it. You can't. Hey, and everybody's had a tough road in some way. Let me acknowledge that today. Everybody's have a tough road. They've had a tough road in some way with moms or dads or family or you've had injuries or sickness. You've been through some stuff. I know you've been through some stuff. But now we're going to get through what's going on this year together and we're going to make it. We're going to be all right. Is this the beginning of the end, people have said? It could be, according to Scripture. But does that mean we stop rejoicing? No. Has God, I want everybody to look at me. Has God always taken care of you? Somehow, some way, He's always taken care of you. And you've been through some junk. I know. You've had physical injuries. You've had emotional injuries. Man, just about everybody in this room has suffered at some form of abuse, even if it was for a little while. That's tough, huh? I know. Verbal, physical, sexual, something. Emotional abuse. You say, man, I've been through it. No, I recognize that. But here's what's amazing. Is the God you serve, the same God who is powerful and strong enough to save you, is the same God who can keep you and heal you. If you let him, though. But see, as the captain of your soul, you got to say, God, you got to let him in and say, God, you got to heal me. Someone gave an example years ago, years ago, and they said, our heart, the inside of us where God lives, the inner man, the inner woman, right, the inner you, that's where God lives. It's a home. It's a house. But many people say, God, you can come into my house. You can go anywhere you want except for that one closet, and that's where I keep the trash, and it's rotting. You can't go in there. No. It's part of God's plan for you to open it, open it up. Let him heal you. Talk to somebody. Pray about it. Get into the basics. Let's go to Philippians 2.13. Philippians 2.13. Look at how powerful this is. For God is working in you. Somebody say, God is working in me. 
Wow, I believe it. I know it. Scripture says it. We can't change that. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Is that a good translation or what? He's giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That's God's grace. You have the power to do what's right. You just got to give in to it. You ever heard this verse? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once you get saved, you want to do right, huh? I've had people, man, they've told me before, you got, man, you got to pray for me to do right. I'm like, it's time to choose. Please, it's time to choose. Don't wait another five years and we're still having this conversation. It's time to choose. Look at this powerful verse. God is working in you. Someone say, God is working in me. Say this, say, giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Let's do that again. Someone say, God is working in me. Giving me the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Ooh, that's powerful. Let's go to Romans 12 too. Remember this one? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know God's what? Will for you. God's will, right? This is part of God's plan for us. God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Somebody say this. Say, God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. That's good news. Because guess what? Last I checked, everybody in here is reading the Bible at some pace, in some plan. That's good because you've been reading God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Wow. Let's go to Ephesians 4.11 now. I like this text. Ephesians 4.11. I say that a lot. When I'm preaching, I I just love the word. Now, real quick, look at what Scripture says. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, pastors, and teachers. Why would he give those gifts to the church? The fivefold ministry, we call it. Their responsibility is to equip God's people. My job is to equip you to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Everybody else who has accepted Jesus, who is part of the Lord's body. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be, one translation says perfect, but that's not clear, that we will be mature. Somebody say mature. Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's a good translation. Mature. Mature means at some point as a believer... I'm so well-versed and forgiving that I just forgive every day. Mature means that as a believer, I'm so well-versed in telling the truth that I tell the truth every day. Mature means as a believer that I'm so well-versed in not practicing sin that, man, there's some days where I'm going, man, Lord, you were just with me. Man, your hand was on me. I was able to handle that, and you were with me. Wow, that's amazing. But then there's some days where you really had made a mess of it. And you go, I just praise you, God, that I can't do it without you. I made some choices today weren't the best, but I know you forgive me. I've asked forgiveness, and here we are. It's part of God's plan for me. Someone say it's part of God's plan for me. Part of God's plan for me. Let's read through that, that last verse again. Let's read verse 13. This will continue, is everybody with me, until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Someone say mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and 
complete standard of Christ. That is a tall order, I know, but look, number one today, someone say it's my decision. Mm -hmm, It is, and I respect that. Number two, nobody can do it for me. Say that. Can you imagine if I could go and I get a group of my inner circle, man, just get them close to me and go, could you guys just read your Bibles and tell me what it says? It sounds funny, huh? But a lot of people do that. They say, no, would you pray? This guy was terrible. He was terrible. Does it, what was the name of that stupid show back in the, was it the 70s? Archie Bunker? What was it? Terrible guy. Does anybody remember that show? I forget what it was. What, do you remember what it was called? That was all in the family? He was terrible. He was, he was prejudiced. He had a bad mouth. He was terrible. But I remember one time his wife, and she was like, Archie. That's the way she talked. She said she was fed up and she wasn't going to church. And this dude, he was a jerk. He got real serious. I'll never forget that. And he said, wait, wait a minute here. You have to go to church. He never went. Stay at home and drink beer and I don't know what else he did. Talk bad about people. He hated his son-in-law. You remember that? He was just a jerk. He got serious with his wife. And he goes, no. You have to go to church. He said, someone has to go to church and represent us. I'll never forget that. I was a kid. I was probably six years old. And I was like, look at that. How about, how about we show up, huh? How about we show up on Facebook Live or in person during this season? How about we show up and stand and be counted and say, no, I'm here. Let's see what God has for me. Even, even, and I know, look. Sometimes, sometimes when I give the word, see, the word does lots of stuff. The word can make you a little uncomfortable. The word can encourage you. The word can strengthen you and give you hope. The word can build your faith. And sometimes it does it all at once. Have you ever had that? I'm like, that made me uncomfortable. I'm convicted, but I feel better. I don't know how that just happened. I'm uncomfortable. I'm convicted. I'm encouraged. I'm strengthened. I'm going to preach another sermon. I'm forgiven. So, Nobody can do it for us, and it's God's plan for us to become spiritually mature. And it takes time. But while you're taking time, don't don't just wait. Keep doing the things that help you. Get into the Word. Pray. Come to church. Join join on Facebook Live. Take notes. Do what you got to do. Go to a spiritual warfare class. Pastor calls it a spiritual warfare class, but beyond that, even, even beyond that, it extends to all kinds of great discipleship. So make sure you're part of something like that. Say, man, I I don't go to a connect group. Become part of a connect group. That's going to help you become more mature in Christ. Any questions? I know you're not going to ask any questions on a Sunday morning. Oh, yeah, I missed that. Would you repeat? You're not going to usually do that on Sunday morning. So remember, number one, it's my decision. It's your decision. Nobody can do it for me or for you. And it's part of God's plan for me and for you. Man, get hold of that soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, your body, and make it your slave. Make it do what you want it to do. Make it do what you want it to do. And say, you know what? I'm not going to be a slave to my weaknesses. My weaknesses, they will obey me. I'm not going to be weak and go, oh, man, my weaknesses are just beating me down, man. Do it. Do it again. No. 
at some point, like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to have self-control. I'm going to walk according to God's word. It's my decision. Nobody, that's number one. Number two, nobody can do it for me. Nobody can do it for me. And number three, it's God's plan for me to develop and renew my mind with his help. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes today, if you would, please. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people today. I thank you for the faithful in this house, Lord God, and on Facebook, on the live stream, on YouTube, whichever means they're using to watch this today. I thank you for your people who will be watching and listening to this later, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that faithfulness is a decision. We're going to keep at it. We're going to keep at it. We've come this far by faith, so we're going to keep at it. Is there anyone in the house who says, Pastor Matt, I need to make sure I'm right with God? Anyone on Facebook Live as well? You say, man, I need to make sure I'm right with God. Would you raise your hand? I'm going to pray with you today. We're going to pray as a church family. God bless you. Let's pray. Everybody repeat this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, say, I know that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I believe that. And I believe Jesus died and rose again. And I'm saved by faith because I've said it, declared it, and I believe it. But now, Lord, help me to know that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm right with you. No matter what, because I'm saved, I am right with you. And when, when I'm right with you, and I know it, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. I'm not going to do everything I used to do. I'm free. I'm forgiven. Lord, cleanse me. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet today? Let's be real with each other, okay? Because there are some things I said today that I was not planning on saying, and they, they chiseled at me too. Don't think you say, man, he was just chiseling at us, and the sword was cutting. No, it was cutting this way too. We're about to close our, close our eyes and bow our heads and pray together again. But if anything I said today got you where it needed to get you today, and it touched your heart in some way, would you raise your hand today? Anything at all. You say, man, there was something in there for me, because I, I, I got my hand up too. I got my hand up, too. Well, man, now that we're being honest with each other, let's all pray. Father, I thank you, Lord. I plead the blood of Jesus over the faithful today. Online, live stream, and in this house, your people, God, the body of Christ. I thank you for those all over the city that worship Jesus. Thank you for those all over the city that teach the word. But, Lord, I thank you that each and every one of us individually, Lord God, it is our responsibility. Our walk with you, Lord, is our responsibility. It's not moms. It's not dads. It's not who hurt me, who didn't hurt me. It's not that other mistake I made. And it's not this or that. Or the, it's right now. You are a now God. Today is the day of salvation. And we have chosen you, God. And we choose life over death. We choose blessing over cursing. We've chosen life so that us and our descendants may live and prosper and be blessed. I thank you today for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives, God. Thank you for your powerful anointing. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for working in me, God. I say that publicly. 
Thank you for working in me, both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Thank you for working in us, God, giving us the, de the desire to do what pleases you. We trust you today. I thank you that this may be a beginning for others. Others, this is just a, a, a part of the journey. But, Lord God, take us on the journey and give us joy in that same journey, Lord. We're not there yet, but we will be. Thank you for courage under fire. Thank you for bravery and boldness. Thank you for the realization that your hand is on us. Thank you for the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that you have never given up hope and you've never lost your hold on us. Now that we would have your hope, now that we would walk in your faith day by day as we grow in you, we thank you, God. In Jesus' name, somebody said, Amen.